As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day, just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. Another episode of 1% Better. The Colts are at the bye. They have reached not quite the halfway point, but they have reached their break intact. Uh, Zach, a wild few days for the Colts. <laughs> Man, on Friday, we didn't know if there was going to be a game. Uh, at least Friday morning. And then by Friday afternoon, we got that squared away. The false positives on the COVID front, that does happen from time to time. So that was certainly exciting, to use the term loosely. And then a couple days later, they hit us, what, a 21 nothing deficit in the first quarter. <laughs> and somehow claw their way back. And they end up winning 31-27 over the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium. 12,000 fans in the stands. I heard some noise, so that was cool. Man, a lot going on. Uh, let, let's start with the topic of your story. We got a lot to cover here, but I think let's let's start broadly and then get more specific. Zach, are the Colts good? Don't know. <laughs> okay. And I know that I, I get paid to know that, but I don't know. I am looking at this in both lenses, right? Like they were 21 down to the Bengals on their home field. And the other tone, you know, the other side of the coin, they were they outscored them thirty-one to six the rest of the way. They absolutely dominated three quarters of the game, in, you know, inarguably. So um, that kind of speaks to a lot of different things we've learned this season about this team. They've only beaten one team with a winning record. That's Chicago. Now the Bears are five and one, but the other three teams have combined for two wins and fifteen losses: the Jets, the Vikings, and yesterday's opponent, the Cincinnati Bengals. All those three teams are going to be picking in the top five of next spring's draft. They're terrible. But on the other side of the coin, the Colts don't make the schedule. They walloped three of those teams, right? I mean, they beat the brains out of the Vikings and the Jets. Um, and they came back yesterday and absolutely dominated three of the quarters against the Bengals. So it's, it's it, I don't know. What does the eye test tell you? Yeah, I think I feel much the same way as you. I think they're a team that is maybe above average, but I don't know how much above average yet. I think the rest of the season will tell us. And I, I think right now... I think the next month will tell us, November. Yeah, uh, you're right. That's exactly right. I mean, 
we'll, we'll get a better gauge. Most teams, I think by now, you have a better sense of what they are. And I think I, I know this team has a lot of redeeming qualities. There's no question about that. I can tell you, I can give you like six or seven of them right now. Yeah. But it's not those that I'm worried about. It's <laughs> it's their tendencies that they show sometimes that I do have concerns about. And, you know, we'll get into some of them. You know, the defense, what is up with these first tasks? Uh, what is going on in terms of skill position players, right? Can we see that consistent performance? We saw some good performances yesterday. Can they continue to have some of those? Because that has been lacking. And then, of course, the quarterback is all over the place sometimes. So uh, that's those are the things that that I think will will largely determine where they go. And those are the things that are still a little bit in flux. But look, when you're not a championship team, this is kind of what you get. And I think that's something people got to understand. Right. This is They're not, not there yet. uncommon. Right. All right. This is not uncommon. Uh, the, the teams that are consistent in every way are championship teams. <laughs> okay. And they're not that. <laughs> we never told you they were. We told you they were a pretty good team with a chance to be, you know, maybe very good, but they're not there yet. They're certainly not, maybe not even pretty good. They're, they're good. And then we'll see. What so, do you not? What do you not like about them right now? Uh, and I know they're four and two, but mm-hmm. it's hard for me to think of them as a four and two team because, look, I, five and two last year, and even Chris Ballard came out and admitted like, you know, records can be deceiving. You know, like we got a little full of ourselves, and and they went two and seven the rest of the way. Yeah, it has a little bit of flavor like last year. Around this time, they're they're they look they're a different team in in some ways, but but the way the season has played out is is not that different. That's a that's a good point. Like like I think of the opener last year in in, in excuse me in Los Angeles last year. Think about that versus this year's opener in Jacksonville. They played yeah. out a little differently, but games they should have won. I feel like yeah. you know in both instances, and so there's a little bit of that. Like they're good, but not good enough to to overcome bad performances and. And I think that's really the difference between the upper echelon teams and teams that are trying to get there. They are trying to get there, certainly not there yet. Uh, but what's missing, I think a couple things. I think it's mainly it's just it's the the inconsistency in, in so many facets right now. And I thought the one area that was that was really consistent was the defense. And now they, the last two weeks, have been the opposite of consistent. So... You know, things like that, I, I think, just chip away at your confidence in this team. But again, I like where they're going, and they're starting to put it together at times. They just can't do it at all times. So we'll see. Uh, they, they've got a lot to prove, and I think this bye week will be a very good opportunity for Frank Reich and his staff to go back and self-scout and look at some of the things they like and don't like, and they should be asking the same questions that we are asking. A couple of points to make there um you mentioned the defense and i just want to bring this up and we'll get to the quarterback in a second because he um, answered some questions yesterday in a lot of ways um so let's go the first half in cleveland and the first half against cincinnati so the just the first half the last two weeks defense has given up 515 total yards five touchdowns and 44 points in the second half of those same games this is amazing they've given up just 209 total yards so 300 <laughs> less yards Zero touchdowns. This is the defense. Remember, the pick six was not on the defense. The safety was not on the defense in, in Cleveland. And three points total. 44 points and, and three points. 
So they're doing something at halftime, and their and their ability to fix things is got to be encouraging, right? But you also got to wonder, which is what DeForest Buckner said, like we cannot come out slow like we did in Cleveland. They were right. worse against Cincinnati, a worse team with not a lot of offensive weapons. And and look, like I wrote today, you can come back and go on a thirty-one to six run against Cincinnati and win. That ain't going to happen against Baltimore. It's not going to happen against Green Bay. It's not going to happen against Tennessee. Those teams are a combined, you know, 15-1 and roughly. So um, you're playing with fire if you do it against good teams. But to transition, um, Phillip Rivers yesterday had a day, and we hadn't seen that yet in in a Colts uniform. I wasn't sure it was possible after the way he played in Cleveland, but um, that's exactly what they paid that guy $25 million to do, to be that kind of quarterback. No, I love everything about it. Uh, there's just no other way to phrase it. And I'm okay eating my words. And I don't even think I'm eating words here. I think this was really a, a matter of we had a lot of doubts. We expressed those doubts. And he went out and he did something about it. And actually, that's a great segue because I want I want you guys to hear the soundbite from Philip Rivers because <laughs> we wrote some pretty harsh things about him last week. And I don't feel bad about a one of them. Right. But he read them. <laughs> and I kind of cringed when he said that, but I love this statement. Oh. And and I think I don't, I'm not taking credit for what he did. Um, I mean, maybe a little, but, <laughs> but certainly I think it's just a great example of who he is and in the per- kind of perspective that Philip Rivers has. So let's hear what he said. And then I don't know all you guys yet. I haven't got to shake all your guys' hand and talk to you guys yet either. So I I, I made the decision last week. I'm going to read. I want to read what they wrote. And. Uh, <laughs> And, and because I don't know, you know, I, I, you grow over 16 years, you know, you know, with the guys, you know, and you're like, shoot, that comes with it. You stink it up. They better write, you know, rivers better get with it. You expect it. I don't know you guys. So it was just, it was interesting for me this week. I, I, I went back and forth and I said, dead going, I'm going to find them. And uh, not to be motivation, not to anything. Like, I just kind of want to see, you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't know you guys person, personality stuff. wise. So I, I felt like all you guys are pretty dang honest. And uh, so uh, I'm not going to look to read it this week because I, I don't – shoot, I feel like I'm the same guy I was last Sunday night. Just played a, played a heck of a lot better. All right, so, Zach, so I love that, first of all, because what do players typically tell us? Oh, they I don't lie. read that. I don't they read none lie. of that. How many times in your career have you heard a player say, oh, I don't read anything, and you know they're lying through your teeth? You well, know actually, here's what, here's what often happens. One of two things. Either – they did read it and they're pissed, which is very likely. Or even Been if they did it, yeah. Or they didn't read it, and their wife or their girlfriend told them, or their mom or dad or somebody read it or their and agent. told them, or their agent. Oh yes, definitely the agent. <laughs> and they told them about it, and now they're pissed at you. But they didn't even read the story, so they don't even really know that that's what they it said. read the headline or something like that, or your tweet, or the tweet. <laughs> yeah. So here's Philip Rivers. Who actually says, you know what? Bring it on. I want to see. I love that, and and it it actually fits perfectly with who he is, right? Right. There's this right. this corny trash talking quarterback. None of this profile makes any sense, but that's who he is, right? This this corny, um, uh, amazingly faithful Catholic quarterback <laughs> who talks trash. <laughs> like who? What? Yeah, he's it's, like an inherent contradiction. Yeah, it's like it's like a really bad book or something, you know. And it, but, it's almost like he wanted the pain. He wanted to go find mm-hmm. the negativity, and he mm-hmm. wanted it to be bad. Like he even said in there, like, "I wanted him to be hard on me. I deserved it. I was terrible." 
And I just think that's so refreshing. You know, I, I can't think of many athletes who would just be that comfortable in their own skin to say that. One of them is Darius Leonard. Now, Darius seeks yeah. out everything negative we write. And Darius has come, come at me before and been like, dude, you're killing us. And I'm like, well, yeah, you guys didn't play well. And he, <laughs> right. and he ex- accepts that. Um, that's who Darius is. He gets motivation from that. Now, here Rivers is saying he didn't get motivation from it. But he also wanted to see if we were calling it like it is. And we were. And he was bad in Cleveland, and, and he was part of the reason they lost the game. And yesterday, for the first time, we can say Philip Rivers was one of the reasons they won the game, if not the reason, because they put the ball in his hands in the second quarter when they were down 21 to zip, and he led touchdown drive after touchdown drive. He made some great throws, some great anticipation throws. He lit it up, and it was his biggest throwing day since 2018 when he was still in the MVP conversation. So. Um, I had to see that. To be perfectly honest with you, I had to see that in a Colts uniform to, to know that he could still do that. Well, I mean, why would you think he could? We hadn't seen anything remotely like that. I mean, Like you've been saying for weeks, every time they've won before Sunday, he was an accessory. When they lost, right? he was the main culprit. I mean, I had already resigned myself to thinking, okay, well, we know the blueprint. Philip Rivers has to be the game manager. I mean, right. those are his words, not mine, right? I've, right. Said, I've said this before. He said, well, I'll be a game manager. I, and I'm thinking, okay, great, because that's probably what they need you to do. <laughs> and this was a situation where he couldn't win as a game manager because the defense just fell apart completely. So being a game manager was never going to win this game. He had to put this ball in the air and put it in the air a lot. 44 pass attempts. Uh, I, I think, I can't remember what he had in Jacksonville, but that might be a a, a season high there. So what I'm getting at here is I don't think there's anything wrong with saying we needed to see this because we did. Oh, we did. I think Philip Rivers needed to see it. I think Frank Reich needed to see it. I think Colts fans everywhere needed yeah. to see it. It was a tough week over there at Colts headquarters and not, not because of the COVID scare, although that added to the to the stress. But I think there it was there was a little bit of soul searching going on, certainly from Frank Reich. I mean, I thought we talked about this on our Thursday podcast, right? Just about him sort of softening his comments from after the game last yeah. week. And and really, under, I think, getting caught off guard a little bit at at the level of criticism that came their way. You know, I, I really think from Frank Reich's perspective, that was true. And they got a dose of reality, man. <laughs> okay? And, and I... I'm not saying that had anything to do with what happened yesterday. I'm just saying I, I do think there was a huge exhale for everybody. You yes, know, they may not really admit that. They right. may not admit that. I don't know if they will. It doesn't matter. I, I mean, oh, I we knew it was coming all along. I don't know if I believe that. And look, secondly, I mean, this, like you've written before, Frank Reich put his reputation on the line for this. This was his move. He said, let's go get this guy. And they paid a 38-year-old quarterback who's coming off a 20-interception season who lost 12 games, $25 million. It's Man, a gamble. you put it that way. And, and, and look, this is a team that's built to win now. I'm not saying built to win in February. They're not a Super Bowl team. We've seen that. But they're good enough to make this playoff run. They're good enough to win a game in the playoffs, for sure. They're good enough to compete in the AFC South and win the division. What was holding them back last year, among other things was the quarterback spot this was a move that signals we're ready to win now we're not waiting we're not going to wait we're not going to try and be patient with the quarterback spot we want to win now we're going to go pay this guy a lot of money to do that 
Um, they weren't getting the return on that investment through five games. They got it yesterday. We'll see if it can last. But, yeah, I mean, as much as Phillip Rivers needed Sunday, I think Frank Reich needed it too. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So just for the record, Rivers, 29 of 44, 371 yards, three touchdowns, the one interception, not a great decision there. That was that was. You know what I wrote? I wrote even, even in a great day for Rivers, I wrote, Rivers is going to Rivers. Let's just yeah. throw it up in double coverage when a field goal makes it a two-score game. Right. Uh, he, he ain't necessarily the, the best situational quarterback out there, but well, that's okay. I, I mean, we knew that, right? It's I mean, okay when you throw for 370 and three touchdowns. Right. I'm not going to nitpick uh, under, in a day like that. But, you know, it is all about timing, though, right? I mean, in Cleveland – the interceptions, the timing of the interceptions was the problem. In this particular situation, uh, they had already captured the lead, so they were a little bit in control. So that's different. But, man, yeah, that uh, <laughs> he's going Rivers, like you said. Now, I-, I think that this game was so interesting because it wasn't just that he played well. It was how he played, right? We have seen Phillip Rivers, I think, play very conservatively, to some extent, not not very, but somewhat conservatively in previous games. I think even when they have looked to stretch the field, there's been a, mostly intermediate throws. There have been a handful of big plays down the field. I can think of a couple in Chicago and I believe against Minnesota. Maybe, maybe New York is right. And then they, they took the deep shot to T.Y. that he probably catches if not for the sun. That's what I'm thinking about. Right. So... Yeah, so I mean, look, there were there's some there are some isolated examples of them really, I think, putting themselves out there and, and pushing that ball down the field. But generally, it hasn't been that. Uh, yesterday, this is what I loved: seven passes over seven completions over twenty yards or longer. Now, a couple of those were catches and runs, but the majority of those were passes where the ball was traveling through the air a great distance. We haven't seen that kind of aggression. We haven't seen it. it. We mm-hmm. haven't seen it. We haven't seen that kind of offense um, since, for the most part, 2018. And, like, it it just changed with that first deep ball to Marcus Johnson, that 53, 55-yarder. That, that's something we haven't seen, and I told you this in the press box, since the Colts' scrimmage at Lucas Oil Stadium when Rivers was doing that, throwing that ball to T.Y. against some no-name corner. So to do it in a game signals they can do it. And it, I felt the, the entire game changed when that first touchdown drive for the Colts, that first one, it just said, okay, they're actually here to play. There's a long way to go. And until yeah. that point, it was like they didn't even know it was a 1 o'clock kickoff. Yeah, you mentioned actually something interesting. You said we hadn't seen it since training camp. And our listeners who have been with us all along will tell you, and, and they probably remember this, what did we say about training camp in the passing game? We didn't see any aggressive passing. And we wondered about that. I wondered, okay, is it because they don't necessarily need to do that? They don't, they don't think they need to do that? Is it because they don't think he can do it? I mean, what is the deal, right? And we had not seen it. And, and so 
seeing that ball to Marcus Johnson travel over 40 yards in the air, that's huge. Because it's not that I didn't think Phillip Rivers could throw a ball 40 yards. I mean, hell, they're paying him $25 million. I hope he can do that. That's a job requirement. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, it's like, can I? if I can't spell, I should probably look for another job, right? But my point is, we hadn't seen it and in a competitive situation. And so to see it yesterday, I think that goes a long way. And it has to. Uh, and then you got to put stuff on tape, too, right? I mean, the defense has to see this. You know, yes. give Jonathan Taylor a break. He, all these eight-man boxes and, and the safeties coming down. I mean, all of this all works together. So I'm not saying you're going to play the Cincinnati Bengals every week, but my goodness, you got to at least give the defense something to keep them up at night. And right. they hadn't been doing that. So so I, I just think that's as much as anything. It's not just the numbers. It's, it's how it happened. And I think being very vertical to me that that goes a long long way and I just think that was something that had really been missing now we'll see I mean they still need they still need to do it on a more regular basis but it's a start and it's a big start you know what's funny is I was talking to a Colts official who's been with the team for a long time and he said he looks like Philip Rivers looks like the guy who used to beat us all those years and Colts fans remember I mean, Rivers was like 6-2 and two against the Colts. He was just a thorn in their sides. And, and, it, and I couldn't really ever pinpoint why the Chargers were such a tough out for the Colts. But Rivers was just this crazy quarterback with this – he just always hit the throw. He just always had this crazy accuracy. And that's what I felt like the game was yesterday. If you go back and watch those throws, and I will watch the tape later today, insane accuracy, like elite accuracy. He put the ball right in the spot it had to be put. On a lot of those sideline throws, I can think of one to Marcus Johnson, the one to Jack Doyle. I mean, that's that's elite level stuff, and that's not something we saw a lot last year. And that's why you guys, that's why you brought that guy in. Now, my counter to that would be, why are we now seeing it in week seven, right, for the first time, um, week six, excuse me. But um, that being said, that was a vintage Philip Rivers performance. We haven't seen it yet this season, but it does prove that he can still do it. Now the challenge will be, and this is going to be fun to see if he can do it against the Ravens, who probably have one of the best three defenses in football. The Packers got their bell rung yesterday, but they're still a good team with Super Bowl aspirations. And Tennessee, who's 5-0, and and absolutely, in my book, the team to beat in the AFC South. No question. No question. So I want to transition a little bit to a slightly different topic. Uh, the other end of those Rivers passes, on the other end of those Rivers passes, was some great playmaking by wide receivers and tight ends. Also something I haven't seen. And this has been a problem. I think that we have, uh, I've said this probably a few times already, but I I think it bears repeating. We have, I think, underestimated the losses that this football team has had from an injury standpoint. And particularly on offense. I mean, Marlon Mack, I I can't say enough about it. I mean... You can see it every week how much they miss him. Right. But beyond Marlon Mack... I think in the two weeks subsequent to his loss, so week one, Marlon Mack. Week two, oh, Paris Campbell, he's out indefinitely. We haven't heard mm-hmm. from Paris Campbell. We don't know when he's coming back or if he's coming back, right? So there's that. Then week three, Michael Pittman. Oh, by the way, he almost loses a leg. All right, I'm being dramatic, but I mean, compartment syndrome, a very, very serious situation. He's on the mend. He's getting close. But that's my, my point is three huge dynamic playmakers you lose Three consecutive weeks. I mean, that's just blow after blow after blow. And at some point, 
it starts to show. And I think the last couple of weeks, it really started to show. I haven't seen a guy step up and say, all right, I want the ball. I got this. I haven't seen enough of that. I've seen it in isolated examples. Have a guy step up and make a play. But I'm just telling you, I mean, in Philip Rivers' defense, maybe he doesn't have the, maybe he has not had the trust in his guys. And I know he will always tell us he does, and and he does play as if he really trusts his guys to his credit. But at the same time, (laughs) I mean, somebody's got to go beat coverage and make a freaking play. And yesterday, we saw that. We finally saw that. And guys making difficult catches. Tell me. Marcus Johnson. Yeah. All the dude does is make plays. That guy has been cut three times by the Colts, a couple times for injuries. He's been traded twice. All he does is step up and make plays, whether he's practicing, whether he's on the sideline. Um, coming off an injury, it doesn't matter. This guy just steps up, and he's he's an NFL receiver, and he's a good one. And he was the bright spot yesterday among many bright spots. I mean, you're getting consistent production from T.Y. Hilton, but you're not getting the splash plays you're used to. And Marcus Johnson stepped up. I mean, who's to say he's not number two receiver right now? Um, Zach Pascal had a terrific touchdown catch yesterday, but it seems like Johnson is the focal point. Um, and that dude, that dude deserves some credit. And and you saw the tight ends finally step up too. You know, Jack Doyle with a terrible early fumble that really got the ball rolling in the Bengals' favor. Comes back and has a great touchdown catch. Trey Burton has two touchdowns, one on the ground, one in the air yesterday. Um, you're right. I mean, it's about time these guys stepped up and helped the quarterback a little bit. I'm not excusing Phillip Rivers for all the mistakes he made, but it, there's got to be both sides of the equation. Yeah, I, at the end of the day... You know, he's got to have some help. And look, he did his part in both negative and positive ways in recent weeks. Right. Okay. Let's be clear. Like, he ain't going to live that down. And that's okay. He's not trying to. But I can't excuse these guys from just sort of disappearing. I mean, Trey Burton is a great example. Trey Burton, I had, I mean, we, we all heard the Trey Burton hype. I mean, and it didn't come from us. Okay. Yeah. It's them. It's Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni hyping this guy day after Rivers. day after day. And Philip Rivers. Okay. It ain't me. I was like, all right, well, we'll see. I mean, all I hear is the guy's always hurt, right? So right. <laughs> it wasn't me hyping the guy. They hyped this guy every freaking day. All right. So fine. And then he gets hurt. You know, granted, he misses some time. He comes back against Chicago and they just force feed this guy and he's dropping the ball. He's not making plays. And I'm thinking, okay. You know what? You guys oversold it. <laughs> and I get he was rusty. And and I, I gave him that benefit of the doubt. But I, at some point, it's like Rivers, right? You need to see it. And so this is what happened. Yesterday was the day you you finally started to see it. Great catch falling out of bounds in the end zone. Jack Doyle, I, I really think, has been basically an extra offensive tackle this year. I mean, it's been really kind of hard to watch Jack Doyle just be a non-factor to some extent. You know, It's weird. Yeah. And then, and then also be on the wrong side of things in too yeah, many like situations. If you're going to be a non-factor, you know, don't make mistakes. And he yeah. made a really big one yesterday, early in the game. That's very uncharacteristic, but that was a killer penalty or a, a killer fumble. Yeah, and he's also been called for, I believe, four penalties in recent weeks. Yep. So, uh, and and so a couple of those were killers and, and negated big plays. So, you know, it's been weird to think about Jack Doyle in these terms. But yesterday, after the fumble, I mean, he really turned it around. And and that that touchdown catch he made, I mean, you watch the replay, watch it in slow motion. I mean, that's a fingertip catch. The ball's yeah. a little bit too far out there, 
and he goes up and he he makes a, a very very athletic catch uh, to stretch out and catch it the way he did. So uh, I think all of this helps. You know, I mean, even for veterans, sometimes you got to see the ball go in the freaking basket. You know what I mean? And I know I'm using a basketball analogy, but I think sometimes that matters, man. And I think it matters. I think Jack Doyle needed it. I think. Frank Reich needed this game. I think Philip Rivers needed this game. I think Marcus Johnson solidified himself this game. And the one guy I worry about moving forward, not necessarily worry, but what are we going to get from T.Y. Hilton the rest of the season? Because he's not taking the top off defenses. He's not putting up 100-yard games. He's not taking over games like he used to. He's a solid possession receiver, um, but sort of being outshined by some of his teammates right now. I actually think you just hit it on the head. I think T.Y. Hilton has become a possession receiver. And it's not the worst thing you can say about someone, but it's not something I ever thought I would say about him. Right. And that's where this is weird. Look, I, I'm i going to watch the tape and watch him closely. I may actually make him the focus of my film review because I'm very interested to see what it looks like. I think I know, and I've been watching him, obviously, on some level. But I, I think what it is is... You know, look, he. I'm not saying he's lost all his speed, but, I mean, does he have elite speed still? I, I, I don't think he does, or otherwise we would probably see it. So what he does have is he is a uh, an absolute technician with his route right. running. So he's going to create some separation that way. He's got great hands. We know that. And so you don't lose those things. And that's why I always thought T.Y. Hilton could play into, you know, sort of his, his older age because – he isn't just a guy who relies on speed. However, this is where the drawbacks to his uh, to T.Y. Hilton will, will maybe become a factor, right? His size has always been a factor. But he always overcame it because he counterbalanced that with speed and athleticism and those things. Now, when you start to lose some of that, maybe does the size become a bigger factor? If you're not going to have separation, you're going to have to make tougher catches. So that becomes a question. But he's still... Really, really, really good against zone and finding those spots in the zones. I mean, there's nobody better at at just playing with feel. And there's still absolutely value in that. There's still an absolute need for that on this team, and having him around is still a very, very good thing. Um, But I think we're just sort of slowly moving into the a a world where T.Y. Hilton is not dominating games anymore. Yeah, I I mean, it's just it's just the new reality. Um, But to be completely clear, he's still can be a very productive player. And like you said, he, he's great at finding those spots in the zones. And he had a big catch yesterday on third down, and he's still going to be a big focal part of the offense. It, it's just they're just going to have to keep going with this new situation because you're just not going to see those vintage T.Y. Hilton plays very often anymore. I, I will admit I didn't think we'd be this far into the season having not seen it, at least occasionally. You know, right. I did not think that. And and. At that, I am surprised. Um, but I'm starting to accept it, you know. And, and I, I still think, look, you can still see him drawing the attention of the defense. There's no question about that. The safety is still a little bit shaded to his side, knowing, okay, if we don't cover this guy right, he's going to make us look bad, right? I mean, they they get that. And and they've all, all these teams have been on the wrong side of T.Y. Hilton big play, okay? All these defensive coaches, they know, like, all right, that guy got me last time. He's not going to do it again. You don't. You have to know they they think those things, but they also watch the tape, the current tape, 
<laughs> okay, and they can see, all right, well, he's not beating people over the top, so maybe we don't have to worry about that. And so I think he needs to do it. If, if it's going to happen, he needs to do it so that it's it's out there and, and people can at least acknowledge it. But Last time he went coming. over 100. I don't even know if you could name this. This is surprising to me. The Giants game late in the 2018 season. Oh, my God. Wow. So that's a stretch of roughly 16 or 17 games, and that's by far the longest stretch of his career. Because hmm. I'm going through his game-by-game totals, and – yeah. There's a hundred there's a hundred here, two games. There's a hundred here, two games, there's a hundred here. So mm-hmm. um, you know, this is this is his season right now. Fifty three, twenty eight, fifty two, twenty nine, sixty nine, eleven. Yeah. He has had uh, to his credit the number he's been on the short end of, of some I guess he's been cheated, I guess, for lack of a better yeah, word. Yeah, he had a touchdown a yesterday. Instances. was called back for that weird downfield penalty by Anthony Costanzo, which was you don't see very right. often. Why is he even down there? I don't know, but whatever. Right. Uh, there, there have been there have also been some some pass interference calls where he has really had uh, some big gains in that way. Yeah. yeah, but but I think at the end of the day, we all know what people care about and and how you're judged, and you're judged by making big plays. I mean, when you when you are a big play guy. It's the reason they gave him a $65 million contract, you know, five years ago because he's a big play machine, yeah. <laughs> you know? So anyway, uh, we'll, we'll get to this when, when the time comes, but there will be a very, very, very interesting T.Y. Hilton conversation uh, come this spring. And that is going to be very, very delicate. So we'll have to see where that goes. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Uh, I want to, before we get out of here, I want to talk about the defense a little more. Uh, we, we touched on it earlier, and I thought the numbers you offered were, were startling, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Uh, the 500-plus yards allowed in the, the first halves combined of the, the past two games, that is just mind-boggling. But I think there's an issue here specifically. Why is this happening, right? That's my question. And one of the things I really think is it's up front, the pass rush. They haven't gotten any of it, and yeah, they they need an edge rusher. They need some. They need Kamoko Toure at his best. They need a long, quick, athletic edge rusher. Don't you just feel like that's the missing piece? Absolutely. I feel like they're almost all the way there. We didn't see a big play from Justin Houston yesterday, which is rare. Buckner had several, but they just need some speed off the edge. I feel like that's what's missing. Yeah, I mean, there have been, I think, some situations where. You get some penetration in the middle, you know, from the interior, but then there's nobody on the edge to contain the quarterback. 
Burrow is is an athletic guy. He can get outside. He can scramble. Same thing last week with Baker Mayfield, and that happened. So, as you said, they're missing some juice on the outside. I mean, look who's playing defensive end for them. You have you have good players, but it's the type of players they have that are the problem. So you have guys like Danico Autry and Jason and Justin Houston, two really physical, strong guys who are great against the run and also rush the passer, but but don't do it with their athleticism. They do it right. with Muhammad their, falls their in the strength. same category. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's a guy who just he just keeps coming. His motor is a hundred miles an hour, but he's not some super athlete. He's not some sort of freak. And that is there's no question. That is the missing element on this defense. It's the one thing they don't have. And you know, they they knew they were missing the three technique. They got that in in uh DeForest Buckner. And that and he has been everything they dreamed he could be. But at the end of the day, until you get that edge rusher, you're gonna also see a missing piece there. Uh, you know, you're not gonna Kamoka Ture is not gonna come in, not gonna walk in the door and suddenly have a DeForest Buckner type impact, I don't think, especially coming off an injury. But I do think he can have a, a huge impact just by giving him some juice. They don't have enough juice, man. And, and yeah, it's, and it's hard right now. You should mention that they're missing their best player on defense besides Buckner. I mean, Darius hasn't played in two weeks. There is I know that. He's not a pass rush, but Darius does everything on the football field. And that will be a nice addition when they get back on the field to play the Detroit Lions in two weeks. So, um, yes, they need, they need Darius back. Everybody knows that. On the flip side, Julian Blackman can play. And it wasn't just one good game. It wasn't just two good games. This dude's for real. And and I'm not sure he's going to give up that starting spot for the next four years. No, I, I love what they have right now. You know, before the game, I was watching the guys warm up. And I saw Kari Willis and, Just, and Ju, Justin, what do I want to call him Justin? Julian Blackman out there working out uh, prior to the game. And, you know, they were sort of playing off each other. Um, working on on coverage coverage situations and what have you, just you know, one guy would portray the receiver, the other guy would be the safety, and that's how they did it back and forth. And I, I watched this play out for about ten minutes. And it was really, it was kind of fun to watch. And the reason for that is, it shows teamwork. Those two guys, they're the future. Well, they're, they're, the, they're, future. The, they're the now, frankly, they're the present and the future. Yeah, but they're the future, and they are two playmaking machines. Two young guys. Who I don't even think in Julian's case, I don't even think Julian Blackman has has all of the the coverages down and and even understands everything that he's doing. <laughs> okay, I'm not quite sure he does. Can't teach instincts though. You can't teach instincts exactly, and and and, and no better example of that than basically the walk off play uh, where he intercepts Joe Burrow. Now I'm watching this, and I think he. I think he might have been the single deep safety because the Colts blitzed on that play, if I'm not mistaken. I've got to go back and watch it a little more carefully. But if I recall, they blitzed on that play. They got a little more aggressive on the final drive to, to really, I think, shake things up with Burrow and give him a different look. And, and just knowing they were going to throw the ball, right? So they're, they're bringing heat. And so he's got he's to be that last line of defense. And so he's reading, he's reading the quarterback's eyes the whole way. You could see it. And... And just instinctively, the whole way saw that ball, broke on it so fast, and went and got it. And and that's what I love about him. Every single game, practically, he makes a big play uh, that that ends up contributing to his team's fortunes. And and that's just something that 
that's what you want. That's what they have always wanted. That's what they wanted from yeah, Mike Hooker. That's that's you know? who. A couple things on that. Do you remember back in April when they drafted Julian Blackham and and we're kind of digging in? Who is this kid? He only played safety for one year. He got hurt. This is really high for him, right? Third round pick. Do you remember how amped Chris Ballard was to get Julian Blackham? Oh, yeah. He saw something in this guy. Now, whether he was right or wrong, you know, we'll play it out. He looks like he's right so far, but Ballard wears his, I mean, emotions on his sleeve, as we all know. And, and he was amped to get this guy. Now, they love getting Michael Pittman. They love getting Jonathan Taylor. The level of excitement when they got Julian Blackman was just apparent to me. And another thing in the same vein is after the season, when when Ballard sat down with Eberflus, he talked to him about takeaways. He's like, Matt, we are not taking the ball away enough. And the number one thing they wanted to do was add a three-tech. They went out and got Buckner. But that was a huge thing. And Ballard said, look, I got to do a better job of finding guys who can take the ball away. We all thought Malik Hooker was going to be that guy. And I think injuries have really prevented him from becoming that player. But you're seeing it in Blackman. It's all over the tape. This kid has something in him. He's got the instincts. And he's just, I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg with him. He's only played safety for a year and a half. And and he's he's not even playing on a full camp or any of that, any of that stuff. So, um he, he fits their DNA of what they want. And to win in this NFL, you got to be able to take the football away. The Colts are doing that consistently. And, man, Julian Blackman, he he could be a really great Colt if he keeps this up. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you mentioned the turnovers. I, I believe the Colts are plus three in turnover ratio right now, which is huge. The other thing I would say is uh, it, it does change games. There's no question yes. about it. I mean, they yeah. have, I believe, what is it, 10 interceptions. Okay, 10 interceptions in six games, I, that's got to be number one in the NFL. That's what they wanted last year. That's what Ballard wanted. Yeah, and look, they talked about producing 40 turnovers this year. I don't think they'll get to 40, but dang it, <laughs> they're on pace to lead the NFL this year. And and that's part of the reason they're good on defense. I mean, so yeah, we can nitpick, and, and maybe it's not even nitpicking, but we can we can point out some, some realities, some cold realities, right? That They gave up way too many yards in the first half of these last two games, but... Look, over the course of six games, if that's the criticism, okay, well then fine. I mean, they ended up straightening things out and I think you know, playing without, as you said, their all-pro linebacker in both those games, which really I think hurt them in the middle of the field particularly. So, I think if you look at it in context, I'm willing to give the defense not a pass, but I'm willing to look at it in context and and understand, I think, rather than excuse. There's a difference. So, I'm willing to understand it. And and we'll see what happens. Let's just see what how they go moving forward. But I like this team. Uh, they just I just need to see more of the team we saw yesterday and less of the team we've seen at other times. So I think we've kind of set the stage in August and September where we talked about what they need to do the first five, six, seven weeks of the season. They need to set themselves up with a good record because it's going to get a lot tougher in November. And we were right with those predictions because all those teams have proven to be pretty dang good teams: Green Bay, Baltimore. Tennessee. Um, I think the Colts have done two things. They've proven that they can play with good teams. Um, we'll see how they can do it over many weeks in a row, but I think they have the tools to do that. Um, and they've also proven they can play some really bad football at times too. So um, right. if nothing, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I agree. So we will see. Um, Colts 4-2 and two at the bye. Not bad. Could be better, but not bad. You know, and I think 
have given themselves a chance, as you said, to be very relevant down the stretch and get healthy, by the way. So on that front, real quick, uh, you mentioned Kamoku Ture. After the bye, he will be eligible to practice. I don't yeah. know if that's going to happen, but he's got to be close. He's closer, though. He's, he's got to be close. We've seen him on the sideline. I think it's – boy, that's that's a good timing for for a guy of his skill set at that position – about midseason to come back. That's that's a ju- that's a jolt that group needs. And also eligible to practice after the bye, Michael Pittman. So that also would be a big boost because he gives them something they don't have, which is that big body receiver uh, who you can go to on on tough third downs, which is somewhere they have an area they've really been struggling. So, so I mean, hey, if you want if you want glass half full, there's your glass half full. I think there's reason to feel that way. So, hey, lots of great coverage coming throughout the bye week and beyond at the athletic stay tuned for that and we'll see we'll be back uh with the next podcast here as we get closer uh to the Colts returning to action after the bye uh, against detroit i'm stephen holder with zach kiefer thanks for listening to one percent better